Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts. That's right, two episodes, two weeks in a row. It's hard to believe, but we are back yet again. I am Derek, one of your regular hosts, and I have our super special, amazing, recurring guest host, Ray. I'm amazing? Aww. Well, you know, you've you've guest hosted more than some people, I think, have hosted on the show at this point. <laughs> uh, not to name any names, but... Uh, yeah, so we are back, and this week we are here to talk about Short Trek Season 2, Episode 2, The Trouble with Edward, also known as the Tribble Episode. So we are going to be doing that. Um, no real news to talk about. Not really. This week, I don't think. Um, so it's going to be kind of a shorter episode. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did a poll on Twitter that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I was curious out there if people had a preference on class of starship given three choices. They were given the choices between the Defiant, the Galaxy, and the Intrepid classes of starships. And this was my most successful Twitter poll ever, just on a personal level. This was on uh, the Star Trek dude. And which, which was your preference between those three? Did you vote? I did not. And it's for one reason, one reason only. I don't know the difference. You don't know the difference? No. You're going to oh, have man. to show me and educate me later. Oh, man. All right. Well, um, fair enough. Fair enough. What's your preference? So the best part about making the poll is I didn't have to answer the poll because know, it's a very right? hard question for me. I mean, I think the easy answer is the Galaxy class because it's the flagship of the Federation. It's, you know, at the time it comes out, it's completely state of the art. It's got... You know, it's basically a flying city. So you've got multiple holodecks and there's like lounges and museums and resorts essentially on board and things like that. Uh, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but of course, in a battle, the Defiant is pretty amazing. It was designed to fight the Borg, but it's only a crew of 50 people. The the crew The crew quarters are what you would kind of think of on like a military boat today. It's very small quarters. People are, are bunking, you know, and, and bunks and, and things like that. Um, and then the Intrepid class is Voyager. And that's a pretty cool technological ship with the biogel packs and things. But I think I'd have to go Galaxy class. And that's actually what won the poll. 39% of people 
picked the Galaxy class, with 32% picking the Intrepid, 28% picking the Defiant, and a frustrating number of people telling me that I didn't give them the choice they wanted How on my poll. dare they? So, yeah. Um, but thank you to everyone who voted and everyone who replied with their reasoning why they picked a particular class of ship. Um, I thought... Most people were kind of on board with the same line of, of reasoning. You know, you you want to be on the Defiant because, you know, in a, in a fight, it's definitely the ship you want to be on. And, you know, the Galaxy class has all the luxury stuff and, and things like that. So um, it was cool. That was fun. I just wanted to throw that out there. Nice. So if you missed the poll and you would like to tell us what your your preferred class of starship is, I mean, uh, the actual tweet itself was, which class of starship would you rather command? And the three choices were Defiant class, Galaxy class, or Intrepid class. And um, I picked those three for a very specific reason. Our three main shows that ran at the same time, that took place during the same time, those were the three ships that were used. That makes a lot of sense why you did that. Yeah. So that's why there's no Constitution class Enterprise, and there's no Akira class, and there's no Discovery class, and there's no you know, Miranda or anything like that. This was straight up the three big ships from the 90s shows that took place together Um, because technologically they were built around the same time. And so I thought that was a fair comparison, too. Well, that makes sense. And most people at least would recognize them. If you were to Google it and see it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, right. Of course, that ship. Sure. So, um, All right. Well, anyway, that's that. All right. So we're going to talk about Short Trek's the trouble with Edward um, at this point, this is your spoiler warning for the short track. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, please do. It's uh, one of two episodes that are out right now. The first one Q and a we, re- we reviewed last week and we reviewed all of season one when those came out. So you can go look at our back catalog on um, Spotify, Apple podcast, Spreaker, whatever works for you. So that was your spoiler warning. And I've given people enough time to pause or, or leave or what have you. So let's kick things off. Please kick them. So this is a really interesting one. They, all of the short treks have you know been very small scale, of course, uh, given the short time frame. This one was only 14 minutes and change, like the first one this season. So our cast is fairly small, and this whole episode really only focuses on two characters, maybe three if you count uh, Pike in the beginning of the episode. So Pike at the beginning, I wasn't even sure that was him for a second. He's a lot more gray in this, which shows that some time has passed. <laughs> right. He didn't have you on know. reading glasses, but his right. hair had grayed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this is not the exact same time as the others. So that's all. That's, that's all fair. I'm saying. Yeah. Like Time has, has passed between the last episode that we watched Q&A to now. I think that's fair. So, so the episode really kicks off with Pike basically um, congratulating and saying goodbye to his previous officer who's now been promoted to captain. And now that's Captain Lucero. And she is played by Rosa Salazar, which is fun for me because I really like Alita Battle Angel. Hashtag Alita Army. <laughs> that's a thing I found out about this week. You did, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it turns out if you tag uh, Rosa Salazar on Twitter, um, the Alita Army fo- finds you very quickly. And so that was cool. But um, And then, uh, so she's she's kind of the lead of, yes. of the episode. Um, she's getting command of a small science vessel, which uh, some 
eagle-eyed Trekkies out there figured out is the same class of ship as a ship called the USS Shran, which is named after Jeffrey Combs' character on Enterprise, which is cool. Um, But uh, what did you think of Rosa Salazar in this episode? I thought she was fine. There wasn't much to really distinguish her as a character. Unfortunately, she didn't have the same kind of character traits that edward had so he stood out a lot more than she did but she has more screen time she has more to do she has more lines it's just she is very similar to most of the other captains we've seen in the background of trek before she fits in very nicely yeah, so you're of course referring to uh, Edward was is played by H. John Benjamin, who the other main speaking role in this episode. Do you think any of that might have had to do with how iconic his voice has become in our personal worlds, like between Bob's Burgers and things like that? Do you think he just stood out more to you for that reason? No, no, his character had neural tics. He had physical mannerisms he had uh speech patterns that were different this character like his voice is incredibly recognizable to me i know him from archer i know him from bob's burgers and he's done a lot of voice work outside of that i can always pinpoint h john benjamin however he distinguished this one character so well in these 14 minutes that he stood apart and while i was watching him I didn't even think about his other popular characters. Nice. So I, it's just he kind of stole the show based on how individualized he made this random one-off character. Well, that's intense. Um, I don't think for me he broke through that. I kept just kind of seeing Bob. That's weird. Um, it's so different than Bob. I know his voice is just so unique for me. I have I have a hard time with that sometimes with people. Yeah. Um, and it's not an always thing. It's like I have the same problem with uh, Seth MacFarlane. You know, as as great as the Orville, <clears throat> as great as the Orville is, and as good as he is on it, it's hard for me sometimes, depending on what he says, to not hear Brian. You know, from Family Guy. So, um, given only you know six or seven minutes with Edward. It wasn't enough for me to forget the Bob. That's totally fair. If we continued following Edward, I might have that issue. Oh, really? I I might. That's interesting. Because the thing is, you make a good point with Seth MacFarlane. There is no distinguished difference between the captain of the Orville and Brian on Family Guy. He uses his same vocal pattern. And the character is pretty much him throughout the whole thing, just different scenarios that keep popping up. So that's where his character comes from. H. John Benjamin made this character completely different, I think, from Bob and Archer. Fair enough. That's that's cool. Um, so let's talk about the premise yeah, of this so episode. The science vessel that she is now in command of mm-hmm. they are tasked with helping a civilization in as many different ways as they can there's people working on climate 
people working on habitats. And of course, you have Edward, who's working on food source. So the main issue is food. Things mm-hmm. like climate and stuff like that, were, were, those are They're means mentioned to that, help yes, exactly. with the food. So this planet's on the verge of starvation. Um, and it's very near Klingon space, which strategically means it's important. And in the context of the episode, it means it's also kind of funny for people who know the story of the Tribbles in old Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so Edward suggests that they basically breed and eat this species called Tribble. He says that under all that fur, <laughs> there is like a small chunk of meat similar to a scallop. And he's eaten a few of them. He, he says they're fine. <laughs> and it's a super it's a super awkward scene because it's, you know, the stereotypical Star Trek boardroom scene. Yes. Right? That goes off the rails pretty quickly. Um, so I know this this episode is controversial in the Trek community because it does kind of rewrite the history of the Tribble, even though we don't really know where they came from. Um uh, as someone who's not like super hardcore about such things, how did you feel about the the origin of the Tribble here? I thought that I like the idea that as a small species, they are used as a main food source. I thought that was pretty brilliant. Because even though they're super cute, without faces, without emotions, we wouldn't domesticate them. We would eat them, too. (laughs) So that I don't feel was too much. Tribbles have emotion. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Prove it. Well, you can. Thank you very much. If you watch watch some other episodes that include Tribbles, they uh, hate with a passion Klingons. (laughs) And when they're happy, they kind of do like a little purr thing. And they make a very different noise when they're unhappy around Klingons. Yeah? Yes. Okay. They hate Klingons, which is part of why I thought it was funny this is all taking place right right next to Klingon space. Because Worf makes a quip about how the Klingons destroyed the Tribble homeworld. Oh, yeah. And I guess that was this planet. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it was this planet that they mean to say, like that they think is the home world of the Tribble, even That's though fair. it's not really, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I thought it was an interesting origin, right? Because we're led to believe this whole time that this is just a species that exists this way. And we're introduced to Tribbles originally in, in the Trouble with Tribbles on TOS from, you know, a merchant. You yeah. know, um, a more reputable hairy mud type, you know, not by much, I guess. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of what we know about them. And everything else is just kind of an extension of that. This is the first time we realized that they were just a completely different species until we came along and we just totally screwed with them. Right. So uh, Edward's character suggests that he manipulates some of their genes to a certain degree to make them breed a little bit faster. Just a bit. <laughs> and because he says they're very slow breeding. Otherwise, they'd be a great source of food. Mm-hmm. And I laughed at that. I thought that was really funny because I could see where it was going then. <laughs> but he does it like when he actually does manipulate their genetic code, he does it kind of, it looks very half-assed. Like he didn't think about how to do it mm-hmm. or... The way to go about it, because obviously 
a species that is just born pregnant is not ideal for anybody involved. <laughs> no, I think that's true. I think it just goes to show his lack of forethought. Right. Right. Because he doesn't do any testing. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess he tested it on one Tribble, but he didn't. He couldn't have run too many simulations with those two types of DNA to see what would happen. It sounded more like, well, what if I just introduce some human DNA? And well, I guess I have some because I'm human. Let's exactly. roll the dice. So Captain Lacero told him to switch over to climate mm-hmm. and he's very upset and he tries to get Lucero kicked out, like fired. <laughs> he does. And it's it's just because like he won't listen to her. And maybe she wasn't the most forthcoming with why she didn't think this kind of genetic manipulation was a good idea. But at the same time, she's the captain. She doesn't need to be forthcoming on everything. You don't need to know her every thought. You just need to follow it. And he did not. And I think that was something different that we aren't used to seeing on Star Trek. Because when Picard or Janeway or Cisco gave an order to an officer, right? Now, let's forget somebody like Quark or whatever. But gave an order to an officer... They pretty much listened. Now, maybe they would provide an initial feedback, but it wasn't going to take Picard or Janeway four or five times to tell them to go do their job. It's definitely not the norm. We have seen so many different captains at this point, and their crew just automatically respect them. We've never had to see the adjustment period or, you know, what happens when a crew member just blatantly disrespects their captain. So while it's not anything so abnormal we've never seen it before in all the fiction it's definitely new to trek and i think that is worth talking about just as much as the tribbles are well so i do want to be clear because i know someone out there is going to call us on it there are a couple of instances where people were blatantly disrespectful and insubordinate um there's a time where data takes over a ship and people don't like the idea of reporting to an android there's the racist Ma- yeah kind of uh there's the maquis not wanting to really listen to a starfleet captain with janeway um you know there are many times where kira doesn't listen to cisco again she's not she's not a starfleet officer at the time right but so we've seen things kind of like this this is the first time though we've seen a young new captain and a officer on her ship just straight up have a conversation like that where she's done he's not listening and it kind of just continues on so i think it's important to call it out because this kind of scene has never really been shown thank you um i appreciate you clarifying because as the resident <laughs> truck expert like i i needed to clarify that like, well you know i there, there's so many episodes it's hard to remember everything that's ever happened in star trek I'm, oh of course i'm um, not saying there's nobody out there that's done it right but you know you've got about 800 hours of content um so you know it's a lot but but yeah i think it was very very telling because i i don't know which which point they were trying to get across were they trying to get across that edward just doesn't respect authority or is it that he is just so ingrained in this one idea that he just feels compelled to make her believe him right you know i'm not sure because we don't know enough about edward i actually think it was a combo of both the way he played it 
was so, you know, driven and focused on his own thing that he didn't consider another person's point of view at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And, you know, the other crew members that we don't really get to do see much from, they seem to agree with the captain that Edward may be a little over-enthusiastic yet unplanned and and things like that. Um, He's dismissive of others. They said that he doesn't work well with others. Mm -hmm. He's aloof. He is completely... You know, he's one of those savants. He's a genius in his one track and then everything else. Like he couldn't even open his computer and get it working. He had to have somebody else do that for him. And Mm -hmm. he's one of those assholes, for lack of a better term, (laughs) that like just said it was broken. It wasn't. You can't operate it. Like it's not broken. Right. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he was a genius. I mean, when you when you look at what he accomplished, good or bad, it was still incredibly impressive what he was able to accomplish in so little time. He changed the entire scope of an entire species. He did. That's huge. And even more so, by the end of the episode, we learned that at least one got down to the planet somehow. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to you know, propagate all over that planet. Who knows what's going to end up happening there? We're assuming that based on what, what Worf says later, that... Um, you know, that planet's essentially destroyed by the Klingons. Yeah. So Edward may have doomed that entire species that the Federation was there to help. Um, so that, I mean, the scope, the scope is pretty crazy when you right. think about it. Um, his one action of disobeying his captain changes the entire tribal history mm-hmm. from there on out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so, I mean, things go haywire, of course. They start going all over the ship. They end up taking out, like, phasers to stun them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, like, a weird vacuum backpack to suck them up, which I thought was interesting that that existed. How would you have handled that? Um, I mean, when it becomes a danger to the crew, I think you probably needed to evacuate the ship earlier and shut off life support. And that sounds really sad, right? Because you're killing all of those tribbles. But if they're only we find out during the mission, uh, during the the incident, that at some point there's going to be so many of them, there won't be enough oxygen produced on the ship. Right. And then we start finding out that they're taking over entire corridors. They crush Edward and some other crew members die, we're assuming. No, the gentleman at the very end says that they lost one. It was just Edward, that woman that didn't die. Okay. Um, Well, either way. Right. So Edward gets crushed by them, but they don't seem to leave. the ship until the very last instant. And I think that I understand the not abandoning ship thing. That's a very Star Trek concept, but I'm not saying abandon the ship. I'm saying that you you evacuate and you evacuate the ship, you shut off the life support and you come back and, you know, maybe they couldn't for some reason, maybe the escape pods don't allow that type of interaction with the ship. Maybe they couldn't go down on the planet for Mm -hmm. some reason. Again, it's only 14 minutes and a lot happens. So it's hard to know, the whys sometimes but from my perspective i would have hoped i could leave ahead of time like when you realize there's nothing you can do leave the ship kill all of them by shutting off the life support you know and then you have to go back on the ship i would have handled it in a similar way i didn't think about evacuating the ship earlier and shutting off the life support i thought about literally sweeping them into 
the bay area that most of the ships have where the cargo yeah and you just let the vacuum of space take care of it so the only issue with that is they're so small and they're breeding so quickly they could be anywhere in the ship in the jeffrey's tubes and the circuitry there's nowhere to know there's no way to know where they all are and as long as one survives the problem can just happen again no that's fair right and so i i think the only real way to do it is to have them just they have they all die. Yeah. And the only way to know that they all die is to ensure that no living type organism like us could survive on the ship. If you're right. an oxygen breather, get rid of the oxygen. That's dark, man. It is. And it sucks. Right. But then again, the alternative here is a person died. Yeah. And absolutely. the ship lost structural integrity, which could mean that that's the end of that ship because it's a relatively small science vessel. I don't know if they're going to overhaul it or not. Right. Usually when we hear about structural integrity failing, it's a single deck or a small group of decks on a larger ship like the Enterprise. Yeah. Right? This is a very tiny vessel. And so if it if the whole thing lost structural integrity, they, they might have just trashed the whole ship. Um, right. So let's jump to the end because sure. we've discussed Edward's death. He is overcome by it. Uh, it. First and foremost, do you think it's ethical as a scientist to use your own body genes whatever as the test okay so this is something i've thought about before in other science fiction well yeah i mean this pops up all the time it pops up in the time machine it pops up in the dr jekyll and mr hyde like this is the bruce banner situation this is not anything new so i i think i think it has to depend on the situation you know if it's legitimately life and death at that moment in time and the only thing that you have at your disposal is yourself and you make the conscious decision to do that i'm okay with that from an ethical and moral standpoint but in this case that didn't seem necessary it seemed more like he wasn't doing it because he felt it was a requirement to save this species down on the planet it was a requirement for him to prove himself right and that's when it becomes a problem because if he couldn't use his DNA for some reason, there was a flaw in it or something like that, would he have stolen some from a, another crew member? His attitude does seem that way, doesn't it? Right. And that's very different. If you're willing to sacrifice yourself to try and save other people in a, in a moment of emergency, there's some courage and heroism to that. This seemed much more like he was just trying to prove himself right. Right. That I'm not okay with. That's okay. that's not as good. <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, he is... His risk, his sacrifice, his breaking all of all the rules doesn't even solve the problem because it actually causes a larger problem down on the planet. There's no, you know, maybe they're able to kill off the Tribbles enough to keep them at bay and have that food source. But eventually the Klingons come and destroy them because it's Tribbles, Mm -hmm. you know, so no matter which way you look at it, Edward and an entire civilization are essentially destroyed because of that decision. You know, and that's pretty heavy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Captain Lucero keeps her job? I do. Why? Everything that gentleman says at the review board makes me think she was immediately shit canned. I think that it definitely went on her permanent record. And I think that she probably wasn't going to be getting anything glamorous anytime soon. Or anything super important anytime soon. But, you know, they're going to interview the crew. They're going to review the logs. They're going to know everything that basically happened on that ship. Mm -hmm. And 
aside from things she may or may not have been able to do better, um, this was the fault of one particular crew member breaking a bunch of rules, right? Aside from straight up ignoring orders, he he just breaks a bunch of protocols, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think she's going to be in trouble. I think she's going to end up with like, a, fr- a frigate or something like that that's you know moving well do you think they would forth, demote her instead i don't know or demotions are so Captain? rare in star trek um i mean they happen with some of our key crew members tom paris gets demoted once but he gets re-promoted again and poor harry's never promoted during that time frame um you know kirk of course gets demoted back f- to captain from admiral but it's actually a favor it's not really a punishment um right you know and so like we never really see anybody really demoted to any significant level um and i i just i don't i don't know i don't don't see that happening here she's a brilliant scientist her crew knows exactly what happened to they're with her they were all you know they were supporting her and her decisions i think they're going to come out of this and just say this this rogue element came in defied orders defied regulations and things went off the rail too quickly makes sense you know um and i think the kind of ship is really important here right we're very much used to seeing the best of the best ships right even voyager defiant which are tinier ships are still the best of their kind right and the only time we see something tiny is really the nx01 enterprise but from my understanding this ship's even smaller right you know, this ship doesn't even appear to ha- like this ship doesn't even have warp nacelles, right? So I don't even know how fast this thing can move. Um, it's it's a unique class of ship. It's called a Meiji class. You know, and we don't have a ton of information on it. Uh, we know that you know about the time when they were around, and you know the nacelles are like part of the ship's hull. They're not even you know out on on their own. It's, it's I don't even know what its speed is, um, but it has maybe half a dozen decks. Yeah, right. This is a tiny vessel. And so I think that it's a loss and I think she's going to end up having a boring job for a while, but I don't think they're going to demote her. Okay. That's fair. You would know more than me about this. So I a just lot of wanted to ask. That's guessing. Though, it is. Totally. Right? Because like, a lot of it's going to depend on who those admirals they are. They could have. <laughs> I mean, like worst case scenario, she gets completely kicked out of Starfleet. Best case scenario, she gets another ship and the crew and her are transferred and they get to continue their work. And, you know, maybe instead of working on a food source, now they're helping to slow down the triple population on that plant. Who knows? Yeah, I think the way the episode ends is very telling, too, because it ends on, on him asking for an explanation. She says, you know, he's an idiot. Or he was an idiot. That and, is not how the episode ends. Well, no, that's how the episode ends. Mm. But we, we have more to talk about. But that's how the core part of the of the story. That's when the story right. ends, right? Yeah, and I think you. that they they left it on that to be humorous, but also because I, I don't think she's going to end up in, in any significant trouble from that. That's fair. All right, so let's talk about the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah, so there's a post credit scene for some fucking reason. The Star Trek's first post credit scene. And it is a commercial for a triple cereal mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. regular and berry flavored. Yeah, that was... That was a thing, man. That was weird. It grosses me out to see any sort of hair or fur in somebody's mouth. So <laughs> to see those little kids put spoonfuls of tribbles in their mouths, like I wanted to just vomit. 
I like the idea that the cereal box is never ending because they just keep reproducing. <laughs> There's a prize at the bottom. You're never going to get to it. <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, it was funny. I just, this episode is very, it's tonally very different from the average Star Trek. You know, it's, it was much more tongue in cheek. There's some humor in there that's darker humor. Yeah. You know, and then they have this weird freaking commercial at the end, which is super strange because like, are there commercials in, in Starfleet and the Federation? Like on Earth, are there still commercial that ads when there's no money? definitely implies that there are, there's still some branding capitalism. But there's no money on Earth. So like, I don't know. It's just weird. But you still have to eat stuff. Like even sure, if you, but... rem- no, think about it though. Even if you remove the idea of money, there are still things that you wouldn't want to go away. You'd still want a five guys cheeseburger or something <laughs> like so I Yeah, but I just I but I don't know how that stuff that. works on a, a barter system, for? but I don't know what you need commercials for. I don't know. Usually it's done on credits, especially members of Starfleet. Right. So transporter credits, replicator credits, things like that. Got it. You can save them up and bank them for something or you can use them up. Cisco jokes about how he burned all of his up traveling back home so he could have his dad's food when he first started at the academy. That's cute. You know, for example. Right. So, or on Voyager, when they're low on resources, they save up their rations for the replicator and things like that to do special things. So Nice. But, uh, all right. Well, anything else about this episode you want to talk about? Do you want to see Captain Lucero in another? Yes. Okay. I th- first off, I think it would be really cool to see a more science-heavy Star Trek that really is a science vessel doing science-y things regularly. I think that would be really cool. I like the idea of a smaller-scale crew. Isn't this one of the first... No, this is the second time that like a science officer becomes a captain and you follow... Um, I, well, mean, I mean, you Janeway. said Janeway. Janeway yeah. and Spock you know, are science officers. Um, right, of course. You know, but I, th- I think those... Th- the ships we always see end up on grander scale stuff, you know, usually. So I'd like to see something like that. And I, I like her. I like Salazar. I thought it was a cool character and I'd like to see her again. Okay. So what about you? I am all for more female captains. Bring them on. Fair enough. Okay. Well then I guess that's going to be it for us. Right. Um, All right. So we will be back Uh, next week. We are kicking back our, prepping for Picard. So uh, please go to heroespodcast.com and look at my top 20 quintessential Picard episodes. We're going to be reviewing all of those. We're going to be kind of grouping them together moving forward into into chunks to make it so we, we can get done before the Picard series premieres in January. Um, if you'd like to talk to Ray, you can find her at Siren, uh, at Siren Ray. That's S-I-R-Y-N-R-A-E. And I am the Star Trek dude. And you, of course, can find us, Red Shirts and Runabouts, on the Heroes Podcast Network, heroespodcast.com, at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter, or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook. We are now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Google Play, pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast, you can find us. Uh, as always, if you like the show, please consider dropping us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's still the number one place people get shows, so please drop us a review there or anywhere else that you listen. And, uh, consider checking out our Patreon, patreon.com slash heroes podcast. If you enjoy the show, you can help us pay for equipment like these microphones and business cards and stuff like that. So thank you for your time. We'll join you next week.
This is Ray from the Heroes Podcast Network. Currently, you've probably heard me on a show called Screen Heroes, where we discuss movies and uh, TV shows about superhero, sci-fi, and a little bit of fantasy. Well, I love fantasy so much, I am starting a brand new podcast about fantasy television series. We are going to review these series in a bit more detail than what Screen Heroes usually does. We'll discuss multiple episodes for a whole continuous arc and then move on to another series. Spellbound will review shows, new shows like The Witcher, Good Omens, Carnival Row, and Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. We're also going to look back at previous shows such as American Gods and Avatar The Last Airbender, Old miniseries from the 90s like Leprechauns and the Tenth Kingdom, and we're going to do a movie here and there, maybe even a little bit of fantasy upcoming news. Who knows? You'll be able to follow Spellbound at SpellboundCast on Twitter for the latest fantasy news about the show, about the upcoming shows that we'll be discussing. You can also listen to us Fridays coming in September.